the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and as we're turning there, I want to encourage you to come this afternoon as I'm going to have a special speaker, (laughs) and we're going to listen to a breakout (laughs) session that was at the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International, I'll never get that right, that was in Greenville a couple of weeks ago on the juvenilization of the American church. And I really can think of no other means to give a second witness to what has been at times talked about here and hinted at from this pulpit, but really just to systematize it uh, down before us and make that impact. Now, if you are not here tonight, I certainly can give you the uh, MP3 on which that message is, but Lord willing, I'm going to have some slides here and I'm going to try to keep up with him as he uh, goes through the message and that way you can see the slides. So that'll be at 5 p.m. this afternoon. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to again read the first three verses of this book. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Unless you and I really get a firm grip on these three verses, then you will not have the impact that Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 will have in your life. Verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through what? faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Unless we understand the fulfilling of the mystery of His will, the actions that God took in His Son on our behalf, the power that brought all this to pass in the death of Jesus Christ on that cross, His burial and that same power that would raise Him from the dead. Understanding that on God's end and then understanding our end. You and I will never be at the place where we can truly give to Him the praise of the glory of His grace that He deserves. This statement in Ephesians 2, the first three verses is a hard statement for people to believe. It's a hard statement for Christians, generally converted people, to believe. It's hard for them to believe that they are as bad or were as bad as the Scripture says that they were. And it is hard for lost people to believe that they are as evil as the Scripture declares them to be. Man has a resiliency about him to automatically disbelieve that he is as bad as God says that he is. 
But man is sinful to the core. Lost people have sin as Lord over their life. Sin gives them the motivations that they have in this life. Sin gives them the mind about things in this life. And sin not only is controlling of their will and their thoughts, it also controls their motivations and desires. Sin completely dominates a lost person's life. That is why the Bible says in Ephesians 2 verse 1 that the present state of all mankind is that they are dead in what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Now dead doesn't mean that a person doesn't exist. Dead doesn't mean that people aren't alive and breathing. Death doesn't mean that they don't have desires and wills and thoughts about things. Death doesn't mean that they don't make decisions about certain things. They are dead in trespasses and sins because death ultimately means separation. When your body dies, your spirit soul is separated from your what? From your body. It doesn't cease to exist. So too, being dead in trespasses and sins means that we are separated from God. We are separated from the life of God. And we are separated unto the realm of trespasses and sins. Lost people are Here's the theological word that you want to be aware of. Man is totally depraved in all of his faculties. Every one of his faculties. It permeates every aspect of a man. The Bible speaks that man drinks iniquity like you and I would drink a glass of water. When do you drink water? When you are, when you are thirsty, man thirst for the pleasures and the sins of this life. And just like you and I, if we would drink a physical glass of water on a very hot day and we're very thirsty, we might drink that water and say, just, that's just what I needed. That's the way lost people are. It brings them satisfaction and fulfillment. The Bible speaks that all mankind are under death from conception. Sin controls them from conception. It controls them and their deeds from the moment that they are born. The Bible says that it is impossible for a man or a woman, boy or girl, to clean their own heart or to purify it from this defilement. All mankind are fully set to do evil. There's no health in human beings. From the top of their heads to the sole of their feet, Isaiah says it is full of cancer and oozing wounds. It is repugnant to look on. 
If you were to see lost people in the same reality that God sees them, you would turn away your face in disgust over what you see. The Bible says that sin flows out of the heart of a man like fountains of water springing from a fountain. And isn't it true that men love, they love, can you hear this? They love darkness rather than the light. Why? Their deeds are what? Their deeds are evil. They love darkness. And folks, sin is not what comes to us by our environment. Can you become pure and good by your environment? The answer to that is no. Sin originates in the heart of a person. Jesus said, out of the heart flows adulteries, strife, abominations. Out of our heart. This is in a lost person's heart. Now, brethren, when a person gets saved, that dominion and lordship is broken. Grace now reigns in your heart. But, is that sin nature gone? That sin nature is not gone. That sin nature no longer lords over a believer, but it does reside in his flesh, and it does give us all kinds of problems, doesn't it? Even to this point, Paul himself would say, I do the things I don't want to do. And I don't want to do the things that I do should do. But Paul would say, I'm rejoicing in my mind, in the law of God. There has been a change, right? But he cries out, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who's going to deliver me from this corpse that I'm in, this body of death and sin? Thanks be to God. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is going to deliver us from that. Now folks, all people are in this condition. All people do not sin to the same degree, but it's all flowing from the same fountain, the same root. And folks, I just want to say this very plainly to every one of us. If you're not as evil as someone else, it is God's gift to you that you're not that way. Romans chapter 1 says that God restrains this sin nature within us. And in judgment, He can loosen His restraint. And folks, when He loosens His restraint, guess what man does? He sins. And so when we were lost, and you said, well, you know, I was lost, but I was a pretty good person. You know, I wasn't as bad as so-and-so who was a drunkard, or so-and-so who was an idolater, or so-and-so that was an adulterer. Well, thanks be to God you weren't that way. 
Don't say to yourself, boy, I wish I was worse so I would have a greater testimony. If that sin has been broken in its lordship over your life, that's true for the cruelest, the deepest of sinners versus those who aren't as deep. Your sin nature inside of you is as evil as someone else's. Now, do we believe that? You and I have to believe that. And folks, that brings us down, having looked at Ephesians 2 verse 1, now we want to look at how we once walked. What is the former conduct of a genuine believer? How did he once walk? And you'll see these past tenses in verse 2, in which you formerly walked. Verse two, verse three. Among whom we too all formerly lived, and verse three were were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. This is the way we once were. Now, folks, how do lost people carry out their behavior or their conduct? Here's how they do it. Look at verse two according to the course of this what? Does everybody see that? The word course there is the word for age. We could translate it this way. Our former behavior was according to this age of this world. Folks, you and I live in an age of human history. When it comes to sin, our age is no different than any other age. We can accurately say man has not changed. Man is sinful. And man has been sinful since the fall of Adam and Eve. But this age does have certain unique characteristics to it. For instance, I don't know of any other age, and I'm not privy to what went on before Noah, But I don't know of any other human age where there were computers, do you? Or a phone that you have in your pocket. Or the unique challenges that are going on today. Or the unique pressures that this age puts on believing people. Lost people conduct themselves according to the age of this world. In other words, we lived in our past, we lived according to the desires of the age of this world. We lived according to the mindset of the age of this world. We lived according to the wills of the flesh and the spirit of this world that is now energizing in the children of disobedience. Now folks, that doesn't mean that lost people agree with everything going on in this present age. Right? Do lost people have differing opinions? Yes. But the course of their life at its root is according to the age of this world. They are walking along the broad pathway 
of the age of this world. And folks, you know that on a broad pathway, you could be all the way to the left, but you're still on the pathway, right? You could be all the way on the right, but you're still walking the what? You're still walking the broad way. There's plenty of span in this age of this world in which lost people can walk and conduct themselves, but at the foundation, are they still on the broad way? They are still on the broad way. And, bef- and, <clears throat> and folks, before we were born from above, this is how we walked. This is how our feelings and desires were. This was our pattern of thinking. The things of this age motivated us. It gave us pleasures. It delighted us. That's the way lost people walk. And folks, that's why the Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have what? Gone astray. The broad pathway. We've turned everyone, now hear this foundational thing, we turn everyone to their own way. Mankind is walking according to their own way. And folks, the way lost people operate is very much similar to how the Supreme Court made their decision this past week. I was really struck by this. We had five or six of them argue for their opinion. And they argued from the Constitution. We had three or four of them that if you read their dissenting opinions had very little about the Constitution in it. From a constitutional perspective those judges were going their own way. Everybody see that? And folks, that's the way it is in this world. You have the Scripture. You have God's mind. It's one thing for a believer to have a differing perspective on something, but they are in the text looking. They really want God's will, even though they may be immature in that understanding, they really do want God's will, versus someone who says, well, I just like that style of music. How do you argue with that? I can't argue with what you like, but we can argue with, does God have anything to say about music? Does He? He does. Or someone says, well, I like this church because when I go there, I feel good. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying to go to a church where you're just in perpetual agony all the time. But is that how the Scripture tells us to choose a church? It does not. Or someone just says, well, I hear what you're saying, but this is how I think. Going their own what? Going their own way. And folks, our former behavior 
was walking according to the course of this world. And the Bible speaks of it this way. Look at the end of verse 2. He calls these people sons of disobedience. He calls these people, look at verse 3, children of what? Wrath. Everybody see that? In other words, folks, you can look at it this way. You can look at it from the perspective of Adam. Did Adam disobey God? Yes, and the children that he begat were sons of that disobedience. Or you can look at it this way. Lost people walk in disobedience. And folks, either one of those is what? It's true. We are children of wrath because of Adam's transgression and us being in him as him being the head of all mankind, but we're also children of wrath because we too repeat the same disobedience from conception. We are sinners by our nature and we are sinners by our choices that we make every day. And children of wrath meaning that God's wrath is upon them. It's not that God's wrath is going to be upon them. It's not that God is going to judge them one day, although He will. His judgment and wrath is already what? It's already upon lost people. Why? Because they are sons of disobedience. Now folks, I think it is very instructive for us to note in these passages that these three things are linked. Disobedience. Everybody see that? Sons of what? Disobedience. What's linked with disobedience? Wrath. Everybody see that? Children of what? Children of wrath. But folks, what is behind all this? Unbelief. Right? Unbelief. Ephesians 1 speaks of these Christians as this. Having heard the message of the truth, having believed. Disobedience, wrath, unbelief are all one in the hearts of lost people. They are under the wrath of God. They walk in disobedience to God. And folks, whenever they hear the truth, their initial response is not to believe what you say. That's their default response. I've mentioned this before, but I was witnessing to someone and they were kind of getting put in a box with the Gospel. And we were talking about man is sinful. And I read from the Scripture, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This person did not know the Bible. I quoted that passage, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's their, I mean, immediately after their mouth, they said, that's your interpretation. And this is what I told them. I didn't interpret it, I read it. 
They did understand it, didn't they? But what is their initial reaction to truth? Disbelief. And folks, if disobedience, wrath, and unbelief are linked in this passage, then it is also true that obedience, peace, and faith are also linked as one. Everybody see that? On one side, disobedience, wrath, unbelief. Other side, obedience, peace, faith. Everybody see that? There's no middle ground in there. It's either one or the other. And folks, we need to understand that it's just not lost people that are suspicious and unbelieving of God's Word. Even believers, do we have this sinful nature in our flesh? That sinful nature never improves. Did you hear that? No matter how mature you get in Christ, no matter how conformed under this Son you become into the image of His Son, there is still something in you that is unimprovable. And that is your sinful nature. And folks, even in believers, there are doubts and suspicions about what God says when what God says crosses what we want. Everybody with me? That's true. Every time I preach, I know that there is a group of people, they're lost, they're disbelieving it. They may be hearing it, but in their hearts it's like, no, nah, no, that I don't see that. I'm not going to get saved. But there's another group of people, even Christian people, that if what I'm saying crosses what you desire to do, you are suspicious <laughs> whether that preacher is really right. And folks, those who are outside of Christ, look at what it says in verse 3. <clears throat> Last half of that verse. They are by nature. Everybody see that? They are by nature the children of wrath. And folks, that is true if you're a Gentile. And that is true if you are religious, if you are a Jew. Now folks, this is really, probably to me, some of the scariest things about our sinful nature. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, mention the wrath of God. That wrath is revealed. And in that chapter, he talks about, Paul talks about the Gentile nations. Gentile nations that give themselves over to adultery, give themselves over to homosexuality, give themselves over to unrighteousness, give themselves over to violence, give themselves over to pleasures rather than God. And at the end of it, they even take pleasure in other people when they do the things that they are doing. 
You can be completely pagan and be under the wrath of God because of your nature. By nature, the children of what? Wrath. But folks, here's the scary thing. You can be completely religious and be under the wrath of God. In Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through Romans chapter 3 and verse 18, he talks about the Jew. Was the Jew religious? Did they have a Bible? Did they know the moral law? Did they know those Ten Commandments? Did they know what Moses had given to them? The answer to that was what? Yes. Did they have the temple? Did they have the synagogues? Did they go to services? Did they hear about God? The one true and living God. Answer? Yes. But Paul says, who are you who judge Gentile people and you judge their sensualities and their paganness, and yet you do the very same things. Folks, do Gentiles commit adultery? Do religious people commit adultery? You know the answer to that. It's the same sinful nature. And folks, when you think that your sinful nature can keep you under bondage by making you religious. <laughs> that is frightening. Because when we think of sin, we think of what? Well, they're not in church and they're not exposed to the Bible and they're not being spiritual. They're just living their lives without God and no thought of God. And that is true. But folks, your sinful nature can make you completely religious because you think you are hid from the wrath of God in doing that. Listen to what Paul writes to the Jew in Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24. And I'm going to substitute Christian for the word Jew because I'm just referring to him as a religious man. Paul says, You can possess the Scriptures. You can bear the name Christian. You can rely on, on the moral law and you can make your boast in God and be under the wrath of God. You can talk about God. You can pray to God. Even the Pharisee in the temple prayed and said this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Do you hear that? You can know God's will. You can sit under Bible teaching. You can agree that the things that are in the Bible and the things that you hear are right. And you can even take the Bible and teach others. But here's the problem. Here's what Paul says. You possess all that knowledge and you know all that and you can teach other people. But here's the issue. You never teach yourself. Did you hear that? They can pick out everything else around them in the culture. They can pick out everything in the nation that's wrong. They can pick out everything in their parents that are wrong and their grandparents and their family history and their siblings and the institutions they go to, but they never what? 
They never teach who? Themselves. Do you hear that? And folks, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl needs needs to be born from above. Not by human works, but by grace. And folks, here's why it can never ever be by human works. Because you haven't dealt with the fountain. Everybody see that? If I cut off the faucet here, and I cut off the faucet here, and I cut off the faucet here, the problem is I still have a source of water. And it's in the human heart. And the only thing that can break that is Christ. And the gospel in a human soul. Now folks, that walk, which is according to the age of this world, Paul exposes. Now we're not going to look at all the passages that Paul exposes this. We'll get to a major one later on. But folks, walking according to the age of this world is exposed when Paul looks at those three things I keep talking about. One's spirit, one's mindset, one's desires. First of all, let's look in verse 2. How are they walking? We used to walk according to the course of this world. What does that look like? According to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Everybody see that? Okay, interesting thing here. What is working presently in lost people? The prince of the power of the air. His spirit is presently working in lost people. Now folks, what that means is this, that those who are outside of Christ are energized and motivated by the Spirit of the Lord of this domain, the air. Everybody see that? Okay? It's the Spirit, according to the Prince, there's the Lordship, there's the authority, The prince of the power or the domain. What domain? Of the what? The air. What does the air refer to? The atmosphere. What kind of working is that? It's the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And folks, you know the passage in John chapter 8 where the Jews were arguing with Jesus that they were not born of fornication. That they were Jews. And because they were Jews, when they died, they were going to be with the Lord. They were God's chosen people. And Jesus said, you know what? You're claiming to be children of Abraham, but if you were children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. Folks, what was Abraham's work? He believed God. 
Everybody hear that? And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And they said, well, we're children of Abraham. Well, if you were children of Abraham, you do the works of Abraham. Well, we're not born of fornication. Jesus said, you are of your father, the what? There you have the prince of the power of the air. And the lust of your father you will do. What kind of lust? He was a murderer from the beginning. And did not abide in the truth. Everybody hear that? And folks, at the end of John chapter 8, do you know what these people were doing? They picked up stones to put him to death. Were they acting as a murderer? Yes. Those who are outside of Christ are energized, motivated by the Spirit of the Lord of the domain of the atmosphere. Now folks, this came to me accidentally years and years ago. I did not realize until these past weeks when I've been revisiting these verses that I was actually saying something that wasn't just a, a phrase, but it actually was true. The world says that the problem of the nations is that we don't have the right environment. Right? Poor, don't have enough money, don't have the proper house. You know, people are really invading your safe space, <laughs> making you angry, and all these types of things. Folks, I came to an understanding years ago <clears throat> that providing the right environment for my children, providing my children the right church, providing my children the proper Christian education, watching over my children so that they'll have proper friends, as good as those things are, and are they good? They are good. But even in all that, our children can go astray. Why? Why? How can a child who has been raised in a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church whose parents love them, who have saturated them with the Scripture, who has exhorted them, encouraged them, tried to give them proper motivations. How can those children come, when they come to age, walk according to the course of this world? Where did they learn that? And folks, I, use, I tell this to people sometimes and I'll say something along these lines. Why did your children do that? It's in the air. 
They breathe this. Right? It's in the air they breathe. And folks, I don't mean by that that it's their literal breath, like you've got to stop them breathing. That when we take a breath in, we're taking the spirit of this age and that prince of the air into us. What do I mean when I say it's in the air? What I mean is the world and its spirit is all around us all the time. Is that right? I used to, my wife and I used to talk, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> raising our children. They were young. And I would say to my wife, where did they learn that phrase from? And I would go over. Well, they hadn't been over to someone's house. They haven't been watching this on the television. They haven't had this exposure. You remember radios? Those are outdated now. Radios. It wasn't on the radio. Where did they get this? They certainly didn't get it from their pastor and his preaching. Where did they get this? It's in the air. And folks, lost people are tuned in to that dial. They're tuned in. Your children can't escape it. You and I can't escape it. It's always there pressing on us and attempting to mold us to conform us to the spirit of this age. And regardless of your safeguards, and those need to be there, regardless of your desires, parents, and those desires need to be there, their nature is tuned in to the course of this age. They must be born again. You've got to be born again. And folks, here is one of the greatest threats is that there is a so-called Christianity that both justifies and accommodates the spirit of this age. Do you hear what I said? <clears throat> Folks, is there a prince of the power of the air that is right now working in the sons of disobedience? Yes. But do you know what who's working in the hearts of believers? Folks, look over in Ephesians chapter 1. Look down in verse 11. <clears throat> we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to His purpose who is energizing how many things? All things. After the counsel of His will, God is working that way. 
And folks, He is energizing and working in believers in every aspect of their life, and that was accomplished, look at Ephesians 1 verse 20, when God the Father brought all this about in Christ, He energized this, His power worked this about in Christ. But folks, not only in Christ, look at Ephesians 3 verse 20, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that is energized in us. Everybody see that? There is a different working going on in a believer's life. It's God. And He did it in Christ. And He's doing it in His people. Would you call that a great thing? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Folks, lost people are walking according to the ruler of the power of the air. They're walking in accordance to the Spirit that is now energizing them to walk in disobedience. That's going on right now. Secondly, Paul not only exposes the Spirit, he also exposes the desires. Look in verse 3. Among them we too, including the Jew, formerly lived in the what of our flesh? The lust, the desires of their flesh. Folks, if you look at Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul writes to these Christians and he says this, in reference to your former manner of life, how did they walk? According to the desires of their flesh. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being what? corrupted in accordance with the desires of deceit. Everybody see what's going on in a lost person's life. Folks, their feelings and their desires, the things they love, the things that brings them pleasure, the things that make them feel good, Those feelings are corrupted. And brethren, that is why, speaking to Christians, you do not determine the will of God about how you feel about it. Does everybody hear me? We don't say that. We say, I have peace about it. Well, how do you have peace about it? What you mean when you say, I have peace about it, you're saying to me, I have what you consider the proper feeling about it. But folks, these are feelings of deception. Everybody hear that? They are corrupt and deceitful desires. And if you say to me, well, pastor... 
I'm strong enough to be able to discern you don't know your sinful nature very well. Because Paul didn't even rely on his feelings. I've never met a Christian who has peace, I use that in quotes, when the Bible says, confront a brother who is in sin. I've never had peace about that. Have you? I'm always nervous, edgy. But is that the will of God? It is the will of God. The feelings coming out of our sinful nature are corrupted and deceitful. And folks, that is one reason why it is extremely dangerous to say that you glorify God by enjoying Him. Because people define joy differently, don't they? You glorify God first, enjoying Him forever. How you feel about something, if I could be so bold, doesn't matter at all. What matters is what God's words say about it. And folks, you know this, don't you? When Isaiah says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Did you hear that? He's speaking to the Jew. And my ways are not your what? Your ways. Well, folks, if my thoughts by default and my ways by default are not of God, should I be suspicious? I should. So not only are lost people walking according to the ruler of the power of the air, that spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, not only are they walking in the desires or the lust of their flesh, but thirdly, look at verse 3 again, <clears throat> they are indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Folks, when you have a spirit that is energizing you. And when you have the desires of your flesh motivating you, those two things will drive your will and your thoughts. It will drive how you think and what you will to do. Lost people's will, walking by the desires of the flesh. The word there, desires, is actually the word wills. This is the will of the flesh. 
not simply the desires or the lust of the flesh. It's actually what does my flesh will for me to do. And folks, my flesh wills for me to do the exact opposite of what is good. Romans chapter 7 says, when I will to do good, can we finish it? What is present with me? Did you hear that? The same time I will to do good, as a Christian, what else is there? Evil is there also. With another will. And another desire. And another mindset. It is amazing to me the rationalizations that fallen men and women can come up with. And parents, you know this. Have you ever heard some really... I mean, this is Greek. Ready? You read it? Have you ever heard any humdingers from your children on why they do what they do? I mean, I've heard excuses that you just, you just sit there and say, I, I can't believe that you're really coming up with this. <laughs> And what lost people do is they build a little castle, a fortress, around what they want to do. They can even use the Bible to do it. To where if you come up and you say, you know what, you, you really need to give consideration to this. I don't think this is a wise pathway to walk. What comes out of their mouth is the walls of the castle. All their justifications on why they get to do what they think they ought to do. This is amazing, isn't it? They're under the lordship of these things. And folks, a lord tells you what to tells you what to do. And folks, this is the way all people are outside of Christ. Can they be pagan? Can they be religious? But they're not born from above. And folks, here's the thing. The only thing that can break that is the Gospel. The only thing, Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 6 says, our old man has been crucified with him. That's your old self in Adam. Our old man has been crucified with him. So that sin will no longer lord over you. Did you hear that? And folks, the interesting thing about here in verse 3 is this. The word that is translated in the New American Standard, indulging, is passive. Why is that important? Well, folks, if it's active, that means what? I am what? I am doing it. I'm coming up. If I say I throw the ball, who's throwing the ball? If I say the ball hit me, that's passive, right? That's coming from outside of me. 
The ball's coming. I didn't will the ball to hit me. The ball came and it what? It hit me. This is what this is. This is de- the default. It is what is coming upon and operates in the children of disobedience, the children of wrath. And the only thing that can break that domination is Christ. Now folks, I want us to turn to Ephesians 4 verse 17 and I'll be done. Because I want to make this point. You and I as believers are not to walk in this manner. In Ephesians 4 verse 17, So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord. So is this just Paul? This isn't just Paul. These are words from the risen Lord Himself. This I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with what? Does everybody see that? Don't walk like that now that you are a believer. But then he says this, verse 20. You did not learn Christ in this way. Everybody see that? Why does Paul say that? Folks, any teaching, any teaching of grace that states that a person who calls himself a Christian can walk in this manner is not the grace of the Scripture. So everybody hear me because there is teaching out there like that. In fact, <clears throat> Titus 2 verses 11 and 12 says this. I'll quote it for you. The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing. Do you hear that? The grace of God, what grace? The one that has appeared To how many people? All men. The grace of God teaches. It instructs us something. Instructing us to deny godliness, ungodliness, and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Do you hear that? Our risen Lord will never. I, I, when I wrote this, I thought, it, is there a stronger word? Our risen Lord will never, no, never teach you to justify your ungodliness and your worldly desires as a Christian. Never! 
And there is a vast majority of believing people out there and teachers who are teaching exactly that. That the grace of God means it doesn't matter where you go, what you say, how you act. Does it? If the grace of God is in you, what is it teaching you? Denying all ungodliness. Denying your worldly desires. And it teaches you, you are to live sensibly, you are to walk in righteousness, and you are to walk in godliness in this present age in which you and I are living. Any grace that contradicts that is not the grace of God. Now folks, aren't you thankful that since we're as bad as Ephesians 2, 1-3 through 3 teaches, that God so loved the world He gave us the Gospel. And in that Gospel is the power of who? God. Can God do something about this? Yes. But it's not by our works. It's by His work in the Son of God. Let's pray.